0: Happy Thanksgiving week to you in the house, those at Tree Worth and those that are online. If you need to have your Bibles nearby, go ahead and open the book of Proverbs. If you need a Bible? Raise your hand. We're going to be in Proverbs 18, verse 24. One verse is where we're hanging out This morning uh, we are finishing up our message series if you're a guest you got here on the final weekend of 10 months or 10 weeks excuse me in this book called Proverbs but we're starting something brand new next weekend and here's what we're doing next weekend beginning our Christmas message series and we're calling it kind of I wasn't expecting that. And you know how Christmas is coming, and you're all excited about it, and all of a sudden all these surprises happen. You go, oh, how are we going to do that now? And so we're going to learn through Mary and Joseph, uh, through the parents of John the Baptist, Zechariah, and Elizabeth, even Jesus himself. Um, man, you, everything is going great, and you're celebrating, and then all of a sudden life becomes become a different kind of normal. And that's where we're going, so we hope you'll join us with that. This morning, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about friendship. And this morning, if while we are doing this whole thing of teaching, I would encourage you to stop if you're ever led and just give thanks for a friend. Maybe write the friend's name down. Maybe be mindful of somebody you want to call or contact later on or just write the name down in your journal that had the freedom to do that because we're going to be talking about friendship as we wrap up this series from Proverbs, A Word to the Wise. And we're at verse 24, Proverbs chapter 18. And here's the verse. I've studied a lot this week, and we're going to just kind of break it down for a moment. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon come to ruin. I want to stop there for a second. I did a lot of work on the Hebrew and kind of doing some research on this verse. And really, a more accurate statement is, a man with many friends. That's more accurate. A man with many friends. A person with many friends. And then really the ending is you will come to a breaking point. Really, it's a, it's a proper, clear, perfect translation. So you could say one who has many friends will soon come to ruin or a breaking point, some type of disappointment. But then that second part is just clear. It's just as perfect as the Hebrew. I mean, it speaks well to it. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to begin with a question that you might think might be a little unusual on Thanksgiving weekend. And it probably is, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, If you were to die tonight... And I'm not being prophetic. I'm just being very clear. We're not planning on that happening for anyone. But if you were to die tonight, how many friends would you expect to come to your funeral? Now, just kind of think about I want you to get a number. I want you to think about a number and kind of, kind of think about what would be the number. And you cannot count a family. They are contractually bound. Mm-hmm. If they don't show up, they don't get to come to Thanksgiving or Christmas either one, and no gifts. So don't count family. I'm talking about friends that are close enough to you that you could count on to show up for such an event. Now be thinking about that. Now we asked that question in a similar way many times this past fall. We've had many funerals here in the church, and we ask a question kind of like this. Uh Let me kind of give you a scenario. So 57-year-old man, young man, I mean really young man, 57 years old. Sudden dies of a heart attack, boom, gone. 56-year-old wife, two adult kids. So, man, they're just devastated. I mean, the holidays are coming. Their lives turned upside down. They come to the office. They come here to the church. Uh, they're crying. They're grieving. Of course they are. We pray with them. We spend a lot of time with them in that way, first of all. We tell stories about that their loved ones, tell lots of stories. Then we start talking about planning the funeral, and eventually we come to the point where we've got to ask the question. And the question is kind of what I just told you. How many friends, how many people are you expecting to come to this celebration of life? And we have to ask that question for a couple of reasons. Uh, One is, where is it going to be had? Is it going to be at the funeral home because it's a smaller space or in our sanctuary or here in the ark where we have a room for about a thousand people? Where are we going to have it? But also... We want to know how much food, because around here, this church knows how to do funerals, and there's going to be food, and it's going to be good food, and so we want to make sure we have enough for everybody. So you ask the question. And a conversation usually starts off just like this when we do that. Oh, pastor, it's going to be Pat. My husband or my dad, I mean, he was awesome. Everybody loved him. And he got so many friends, going all the way back to when he was in grade school. He's got friends from his whole life when he was a child. And not only that, he golfs all the time. I know all of his golf buddies are going to be there. And at the work, he he was the guy at work. He was the top salesman. He had more friends. I know even his customers are going to come. I mean, they're going to show up. And not only that, they lived in the same neighborhood for 20 or 25 years, I mean, they knew all the neighbors. I know all the neighbors are going to come. Pastor, I'm I'm thinking there are going to be 500 or more. And the kid jumps in. Oh, yeah, without question. Our dad was awesome. I mean, everywhere he went, he made friends. Never met a stranger. Pastor, I'm thinking maybe even close to 1,000. I mean, it's going to be packed. And so, in my younger days of of doing this gig called being a pastor, I would go, okay, and we'd just take that word verbatim, and we would make sure we had the biggest space possible uh, for for the family to hold the celebration. We'd have all the food to feed the 5,000, you know, the bread and fishes and all that sort of thing. And inevitably, this would happen so often. After the graveside, after about 100 to 20, maybe 130 people had showed up, One of the families say, "Pastor, where'd all my dad's friends? Why didn't they show up? My mom needed them, and so now their grief is magnified. First of all, the death of someone that's so close to them, and now the friends that they thought were friends didn't show up. So we don't ask that question the same way anymore. Here's how I ask the question." I kind of go in protective mode, right? And I say, listen, I know your loved one, your dad had lots of friends. I mean, lots of friends. Of course he had lots of friends. You do too. And I know they all want to come, But you know, it's hard to come to funerals nowadays. I mean, people live all over the place in our society. People relocate, and it's expensive and getting off work. In our culture, they just don't let you off work as often as they do now anymore for funerals. And and people just culturally don't go to weddings hardly anymore. they, They don't go to events, and they don't go to funerals like they used to do. You see what we're doing? We're trying to minimize their expectations, kind of getting to the question, so they're not just devastated. They already are. Their heart being hurt. That friend. Didn't show up And the scripture says That that one who has many friends This has unreliable friends Soon may come to ruin They may come to a breaking point Or a disappointment And that's because the people they thought Were friends probably were not True friends This morning I'm going to put on my coaching hat And I want to give you a locker room Talk about friendship. A conversation I wish that someone would have with me when I was in my 20s and 30s, it might have changed a lot of the way I did things and how I approached this thing called friendship. And so here's where we're going to go. And the first thing I'm going to do is talk about true friendship, what really true friendship is. And I think it's four things. I'm going to give them to you quickly. First of all, a true friend is someone where you are knowing and you're being known, that you take the mask off, no pretending. This is someone who really knows you and you really know them and there's no game playing. You're real. What you think, what you feel, who you are. Secondly, is that you are loving and you are being loved. Did you know that you were quirky? Did you know that? Everybody here in this room, you're all quirky, I'm quirky. God uniquely wired you and there's a quirkiness about you. And true friends love you even though they know your quirkiness. They know your little oddities, your little idiosyncrasies, and they go, okay, I love them, I like them anyway. And you love and like your friend back even though you know all their quirkiness and their unique wine and how God made them. The next one is serving and being served. That true friends like Jesus serve each other. Jesus said, I didn't come. To be served, I came to serve. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a true friend, it's not about you. You put your friend's interests above your others. You don't envy your friend when they have stuff going on that you don't have. You're just joy-filled for them, and you serve them. And you don't make it about you. It's not about you at all. And so you pour your life into serving them. And when that happens in a friendship and it's a true friend, they go, whoa, my friend is serving me, I wanna serve them. And you turn turn back, so it goes back and forth. Then the fourth one is, true friends, celebrating and being celebrated. That when there's a true friendship, you celebrate when stuff is going on in your friend's life. I mean, you celebrate, they just dedicated their two kids to the Lord. You celebrate, they found a church home. You celebrate that somebody's getting married in the family and you go to the wedding. They're playing soccer, there's a recital. You just go, whatever it is. And if there's a funeral, you show up. They come to yours or they will come, you will go to them. That's just the way true friendship happens. And I'm just afraid that so many of us, we don't understand the commitment level that's required for someone to be a true friend. Now, we're going to kind of talk about the different kinds of friendship that there are this morning. Again, please stop, write a name down, give thanks to God, be prepared to call, contact all this week during this Thanksgiving week of people that are true friends and different kinds of friends in your life. So there are other kinds of friends besides true friends, and the first one we're going to call circumstantial friends, circumstantial friends. And a circumstantial friend is someone you go to work and you go, hi, how are you? How you doing? And they return the favor. A circumstantial friend, you go to the grocery store, they wait on you every time you go through, you know their name, they know your name, you have a little con, yeah, but it's a good thing. You go to the gym, somebody spots for you, you spot for them, you run on the same treadmill, you kind of talk back and forth, you see them all the time. You go to the dry cleaners, uh, before you ever get there to the door, they got your dry cleaners out waiting on you because they saw you coming, they know you. Here, take your stuff. Those are friends but I think it'd be a mistake to call them true friends they're more like because of the circumstances in your life that a friendship there is developing and circumstantial friends are way different than true friends even though sometimes circumstantial friends can become true friends but most of the time they're not going to show up at your funeral so don't count them in the number okay Here's more often how circumstantial friends happen. Now, sometimes I become true friends, but more often you go to the grocery store and Frank's not there. I mean, Frank's the one who checks you out. Every week, Frank checks you out. And you finally go there and Frank's so friendly, but he's not there. And you go back week two and he's not there. You go back week three, you say, hey, listen, I've been missing Frank. Uh, Where is he? And they say, oh, he got transferred to the other side of town. And you never see Frank again. You go to the gym. And somebody goes AWOL. That's not very unusual, is it? People just don't stick with the gym a long time, right? <laughs> but you go to the gym and your, your friend is not there and you, week after week and you never see him again. And uh, you thought they were a friend. Listen, that, that's just the way life goes. Friend, circumstantial friends, they come and go. It doesn't mean they're fake friends. It doesn't mean that you're insincere in developing a relationship with him. It just means that your relationship is based on a circumstance, work, business, or some sort of give and take service. You serve them, they serve you. But when the circumstance change, the relationship change, and sometimes you'll never see them again. But if you're counting on that as your true friends, the scripture says, one who has many friends, unreliable friends, you may soon come to ruin some sort of disappointment, some sort of breakup there's another kind of friend we're going to call them seasonal friends seasonal friends Ecclesiastes chapter 3 seasonal as opposed to lifelong it says there's a time for everything a season for every activity under heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot a time to kill a time to heal a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. That there are some friends, a season for every activity, including friendship. Now years ago, way back in the early days of this church, I developed a friendship with a man that started off as a circumstantial friend because he came to worship here And over time, stronger and stronger and stronger, it grew into a true friendship. And I kind of expected that friendship to last forever. Man, I loved him. I still do. Loved me. He still does. Get a phone call out of the blue one day. He said, hey, Rick, I'm going to let you know. I've taken a job. It's a higher job. It's a high-level job. It's a promotional job. More opportunity, more money, all this sort of thing. And um, it's close by, it's not too far away, so we can still hang together. We're still going to be friends. Oh, and, and by the way, i got to tell you that we are now going to have to worship in another church. Ah, oh, I didn't see that coming. It stunned me. I was just, I could not believe it. I was just blown away. And, and I knew after that conversation, I knew in spite of what he was saying, that we were going to stay friends, that our friendship would never be the same. I knew it because I knew that life would take him other places and paths would take him down here and over here and further away and further away. Other people come into his life and my life and it would never be the same and that's proved to be true over time. I still grieve the loss of that friendship, I do. I miss that friendship. It spoke great love and value into my life. And it was so painful to me that for a while I was disillusioned and I would hold people at a distance, some of my people that I called friends, I would not let them too much inside because I did not want to have the pain of losing that sort of loss, that sort of grief, that sort of ruin. Again. During the month of August for the past 10 years, uh, many of your staff go to something called the Summit. It's it's a leadership conference that's hosted by the Willow Creek Association out of Willow Creek Church in uh, the Chicago area. It's a massive conference. It's worldwide. It's international. They have the best of the best leaders, speakers come from business, from politics, from the government sectors, psychologists, uh, from churches, it's a day and a half, almost he really gets a full two days. I'm hoping one year that we can host one of those here. I hope you will come. You would benefit. It's unbelievable, the quality of the training and the teaching. So I remember they had this psychologist, and she's talking about friendship and about the importance of leaders having true friends, about how challenging it is, particularly for leaders, to have friendships, but the importance to have true friends. And she went on to say that it's very most likely if you're someone You need true friends, but if you're a leader, and and this is true of all of us here, that you're gonna have some of your friends that are true friends that are seasonal. They may last five years, 10 years, 15 years, some may be 25 if you're lucky, but most likely something's gonna happen and the season's gonna end they're going to get relocated to a job over in this part of the world or someone's going to retire and go to the Sunshine stay where the sun is shun, shining all the time or up in the mountains in their little cabin, their little dream place all the time or something's going to happen in their family, just something and that's going to change you forever. But don't, but don't let that keep you from enjoying and investing yourself in those friendships because you need them and they need you but it's only for a season. Don't be surprised if your true friendship deck of cards gets reshuffled periodically in your life, she said. Now, that hit me because in my younger years here at the church, and thanks be to God, I can't believe it's been 32 years last weekend. In my younger years, I would cast vision to the whole church in a way that probably wasn't helpful, and here's how I would cast vision to the whole church. Whole church meaning about 50 or 60 people. <laughs> whole staff meaning me and two of the part-time people. Man, we're going to do this for 40 plus years to forever. We're going to do this. This is where God has taken us. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's going to be exciting. Let's go do this. God is going to draw people close to here. People are going to grow and flourish. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we're going to do this the whole time together. And eventually, 40 plus years, maybe 50, I don't know when, we'll all retire. And we'll get in our rocking chair and we'll sit out there and we'll drink our prune juice and we'll wipe the drool off each other's mouth. And we're just going to celebrate and look backwards like old people and tell stories about the good old days, about everything God did and what we God saw and the miracles. And it's going to be awesome. Everybody want to do that? Put your hands in here. Woo, woo, let's go. Yeah, Pastor, woo, let's go do this. Kind of easy. And so that's what I did. And, and people said, yeah. And then life happened. A core family that we were counting on out of that small group A guy, I remember, got moved to Atlanta. Ah. Some people had to move because somebody in their family got elderly or seasoned, and they needed to move closer to take care of mom and dad, and they left. Then there were some other people who just said, you know what, Pastor, I had to tell you this, but we found another church. It's a better fit for our family. Ah. And every time I heard that, I would tell you on the outside, I said, okay, I understand. But on the inside, I was dying a thousand deaths. And I would go home, and I would grieve, and I would weep. And I was just torn up on the inside because it was like a death, a death of a family member, a death of a true friend, and a death of a dream of doing life together. And I realized I'd set a bar that was so high that caused pain on the people that were leaving because they didn't want to tell me because they knew, they knew about the expectation and they knew how I was going to look, how I was going to feel, and they knew how I was going to feel. For both of us, I thought, oh my gosh, why did I do that? I had unrealistic expectation, didn't understand seasonal friendship. So here's how I do it today. Here's how I'm going to do it right now. Church, church staff, pathway, online, true worth. I want to tell you, God has a vision before us. It is great and wonderful. I don't have time to cast it right now to share with you all the things we've got planned for the next 15 or 20 years. And I'm asking you to be all in because God has brought you here during this season of your life and in this season of the life of the church, and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to ask you to squeeze every ounce of potential out of yourself, your gifts, your graces, your talents, the way God has wired you and pour it all into the mission and every one of us all in. And one day, one day when this season ends, because your season may end, When the season ends for you or me or for any of us, we'll stop and we'll give thanks to God. For the season that we had together, trusting that what God started, God will finish without you or without me. Because God is God. I'm not and you're not. Wow. In church, when I cast vision and I think about relationships in that way, I feel like I'm more true to the Scriptures but also more true to understanding of how life happens and setting relationship boundaries with people. That's more realistic. Now, I, I'm hoping this is helping some of you. Some of you don't look too happy like I'm helping you too much. Some of you look pretty upset, to tell you the truth. But, but uh, I'm just, I, I want to say that seasonal friends are valuable friends. They're good friends. Celebrate them. Have them. They're transforming. They're life-changing. But you may not make it to the retirement chair together. Drinking your prune juice and wiping drool off each other's face. You just might. I mean, God might change it. You. you might retire with a totally different group of friends. I'm just saying, be open to that. Here, uh, Uh, this year I went to the retirement center and I walked into this retirement place and they were playing bingo. You ever walked into one of these senior places and they're playing bingo and I walked in and you interrupted their bingo game. It's like, how dare you? You know, and I walked in and they all kind of looked at me expectantly to see if they, I was there to see one of them. And I walked in and I'm standing in the room and this very old lady over here spoke to another very old lady and she said, well, there's a cute young boy. And I turned around to see, and I thought, it's talking about me, you know? And I looked over at that lady, and she went, I'm going back there every week. She was just messing around with her friend, or I think, you know, she was messing around with her friend. So, some relationships are first season, and you give thanks to God for the season. But there's some other friends there in your nose, that are here to the end, here to the end. I mean, friends that are with you now, and they will be with you to the very end of your life on this earth. I have a lot of regrets in my life, and this is one of the primary regrets that I have in my life. I have no friends in my life from my childhood. I have no friends from my childhood. We moved every two years until I was in the eighth grade. And I'm not sure if it was my own paranoia or whatever, even in high school. I don't have any friends from my high school year that I stay in touch with. I have no friends from college. I have no friends from my 20s, none. And uh, I'm not sure if it's because of just the way the experience I had of being a a pastor that moved of a family every two years or because I'm a sorry friend. I think probably it's the latter. I think I'm probably a sorry friend. Hello, my name is Rick. I'm a workaholic. I'm probably not the best friend that I need to be. My wife, on the other hand, she has friends all the way back to her high school and college time. They check in together. They keep up. They know what's going on with their family and their kids. They know in deaths and births, and they keep up with Facebook and some text and some phone call, and I kind of envy that. I presided at a funeral here for a gentleman that was 20 years older than myself, and the six men carrying his casket were his friends in grade school. You talk about to the end. And that kind of moved me and inspired me. And I thought, you know, I want to be a friend like that. I want to be a friend that is faithful. I want to be a friend that is loyal. From whatever I can be, from here to the end, I want to be that kind of guy. In the Bible, there's a story. We're not going to read it in 1 Samuel chapter 20. The most famous friendship in the Bible between a man named David and Jonathan. And they made a pledge to be friends until they died. And they honored that pledge. They made another pledge that if one of them died while they were young, they would take care of the other's kids. And that happened. And the other honored the pledge and took care of future generations. Church, please hear me. Please hear me. If you have this kind of friend, God has given you a gift. It is a gift. Don't take it for granted. Be forgiving, be generous with your grace. Keep short accounts. Serve them. Love them. Be kind to them. Turn the other cheek. Give thanks to God to them. Stay in touch with them. Celebrate them. It's a gift. The scripture also says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, many claim to have unfailing love. The actual interpretation is many claim to, have, to be loyal. Many claim to be loyal. But a faithful person who can find we all want someone in our life who is faithful and someone that is loyal a friend that sticks with us to the very end and we all want to be that person back in the mid-1990s when this building did not exist we had this small little two acres and we had the sanctuary on the other side of the building we get a phone call from mound elementary asking us could we host a funeral for a teacher's husband who had suddenly died he was a young man in his 30s and we said sure they didn't have a church the sanctuary was packed the gentleman was an athletic icon in the Burleson area in the old school I just revered highly his family uh, I'll just say his nickname his nickname was Stump I'll just leave it at that and boy it was something else I mean there were standing room only for that funeral and uh, he had so many friends that were there and I was humbled to get to be a part of this service for this family. But the most moving part was his best friend stood up to eulogize his friend. And he stood at a place kind of like this. It was a pulpit area, and there was a the casket right in front of him. And after 20 minutes, he wraps up by, by going like this, and I'll never forget it. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. He points to the casket, and he says, my friend, my friend would have given me the shirt off this. My friend was there for me 24-7. I could call him anytime I wanted to, and he would pick up, and he was there for me. My friend, I could knock on his door. Next door, He would open it, give me advice. He would listen to me and listen and listen and listen and listen. My friend would have taken a bullet from me. He would have laid down his life for me. He paused. And then he said that classic line. I'll never forget it. You've heard it spoken many times. He said, my friend was like a brother to me. He walked down, came to the casket, stopped and put his hand in the casket, nothing being said. Goes and sits down in that chair, and he collapses into a sobbing mound of tears and just cried and cried and cried. And I thought, wow, that kind of friendship at that young age. Wow. And I was also concerned about him because I thought, how's he going to make it to the end of his life without the guy in the box? Because he's not going to find another guy like him, apparently, in that friendship. And the scripture says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What well, I'm about to share with you, I know some of you are going to think it's awesomely incredible, and some of th- you are going to think it's incredulous, and you cannot even believe it. I want to share with you something, and in a moment you're going to fill in your last blank, and I'm going to ask you after I fill in you fill in the last blank to not start putting your stuff away, but just to stay with me. There's a forever friend, a forever friendship, and that forever friendship is with God. At the very core and the essence of the Christian faith. It's a relationship with the living God. We have our doctrine. We have our theology, our creeds, so many different churches, so many different denominations, and I guess they kind of have their place. God has given us the gifts of the sacraments of communion and baptism, and everybody does it differently and thinks differently about it, and I guess that's okay. It has its place. But at the very core and at the very essence of what it means to be a Christian is that the God of the universe wants to be your forever friend. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world is that right there. John 15, 15. Something like this. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know it's master's business. But now I call you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have learned from my father, you're my friend. Not a circumstantial friend that's gonna come and go. Not a seasonal friend for 15 or 20 years and then they're Moving, not a friend just to the end, because a friendship with God goes into the next reality. And sometimes here on Sunday mornings, when I stand here and I look out at you and I look into those at True Worth and Online, and we had this connection here. Sometimes in my brain, I wonder, and this is what I wonder: Do you really understand that? Do you really? Do you get at the core what separates being a Christian from every other religions in the world? It's not doctrine, it's not dogma, it's not rules, it's not jumping through hoops, answering these, these three little questions, these little spiritual laws and get it right. It's about a relationship with the living God of the universe who wants to be your forever friend. I want to push you on this. I'm going to push you just a little bit more. Sunday to Sunday, in between, do you experience your faith as a relationship with God? Do you? Do you interact with God, talking and listening, give and take, sharing, like you would a friend all through the week? Do you? Mid-October, I'm going to my gym where I work out, Hughley Fitness Center. I go in the front door. You go to the left, you go to the gym, you go to the right, you go to the business office. I went to the right because I had some business to take care of in the business office. At the very end of that hallway is the nursery. And I hear all this crying coming out of the nursery. I mean, lots of crying. I mean, so much crying. I was concerned. So I walked down to the hallway to check on what was going on. Not the kids, but the nursery workers. I thought they're being held hostage. I mean, it was awful. I mean, every kid in that place was just screaming, crying off the chain. And so I go into the nursery, and sure enough, there in the middle of the floor are these at least a dozen diaper-clad babies, all of them trying to outcry each other, just screaming at the top of their lungs. Oh, it was deafening. And out of the middle of that crowd of, of blubber, tears coming down, I see this arm reach up to me and it goes, uh, uh, uh. And I look down, it's my granddaughter, Lennox. So I reach down and pick her up and say, Papa will rescue you from this sea of flesh, and I will pull you out. Don't y'all be crying all these germs all over her. You're infecting her with your tears. And I pulled her over here, and I went to the corner of the nursery, and they're all crying, and I got her covered. And we're just playing, and she stops her crying, and, and I, I don't even work out. I stay over there and just play for 30 or 40 minutes, then I go home until her mom, I mean, I didn't care, it was awesome Now why am I telling you that? Here's the point Out of the dozen or so babies There was only one Who recognized me And only one Who raised up their hand to me And that was my granddaughter Lennox And that's because we have a relationship We spend time together. We sit around and just be together. We've been through some stuff together (laughs) in the first 12 months of her life, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We're friends. And how many of you Since the living God of the universe coming into your life in the midst of your tears and the chaos of your life, wanting to reach down and looking for you to grab you up and hold you because he sees you as friend. And how many of you, Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, reach up your hands to the living God and say, God, You and I have been through some stuff together. You know me. Let's talk. And through Jesus, you've told me that you and I can be friends. And there's a relationship ongoing, give and take, back and forth between you and God. I wonder how many of you really have that in your life. I hope you do, because if you don't, Your Christian faith is just like any other religion in the world. Dogma and doctrine, rules, do's, and don'ts, and all that sort of stuff. Hoops you got to jump through. And at the end of the day, at the end of your life, all you got is yourself sitting alone in the corner. All by yourself with no one that really understands you. Nobody who has the answers to your questions. Nobody who has the resources of heaven to pour into your life. In other words, spiritually, you're friendless. You're a functional orphan. But Solomon says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He'll never be in a box. He'll never walk out on you. He'll never quit on you. I present to you the living God of the universe who wants to be your friend. I wonder if you really get that. Last Tuesday night, we had a session meeting. I get home about 10 o'clock. Before I go in the car, I look up, and the stars are brilliant. The stars are just, I'm staring into eternity. I'm going, wow. And it's like God was saying, Rick. I created this so my friends would know I've not forgotten them, and I just stood there before I went in the house. My breath was just taken away just by the beauty of this creation. And that God would create this to remind us of who he is. And I just thought, God, how many people, God, don't get it, that they can reach their hands up to you because you have reached down their hand to us through Jesus Christ. And that you want to be our friends. And how many, God, just go through the motions of dogma and doctrine and religion and they never have a close relationship with you. And I just found myself weeping standing there. I've really been struggling how to end this message because I just wanted it to be just. And, so I'm just going to walk off here. I'm going to have Melissa uh, sing just about two minutes of something. Phil's going to play. And I just want you to receive this. Receive this as God speaking to you, or it can be you speaking to God however you want to. Just let it kind of just wash over you here as we wrap up here.
1: My heart and taking me over, taking. Your love is so much sweeter Than anything i tasted I want to know your heart I want to know your
0: heart God, on this Thanksgiving week we thank you for our true friends I mean, those people who know us Our quirkiness And they still love us On this Thanksgiving week, God, we thank you for the people in our lives who just don't give up on us. But most of all, God, we thank you for you, for the love we know through your son, Jesus, and for this friendship you want to have with us. And God, I pray for anyone here, anyone here who doesn't know that, God, that your stars will keep shining, that the sun will keep coming up. And that through the people around them, God, they will come to know just how great and deep is your love for them. And they will know a friendship with you that's from now and throughout eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Speak to someone around you before you leave, please.